0: thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a I've lost my way Still You're there Right beside Me And nothing will I fear As long as You are near Please Be near me To the end Thy Word Is a Unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm nineteen, seven
1: through nine. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Now here we're going to look at the five different words for the word. But before we do, if you read through Psalm 19, you'll notice a very interesting name change. So in verses 1 through 6, actually here's a reading experiment. Read through Psalm 119, and then mark how many times the Lord is referred to in verses 1 through 6, and then mark how many times the Lord's referred to in 7 through 14. Now, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. In 1 through 6, you'll notice he's only called God and that's the generic term, El, Elohim, generic term for God. But in the verse 7, there's a shift. And the editors of your Bible, depending on their Bible, they might have spelled it in all capital letters. That'll let you know that the word for Lord is the word Yahweh, the covenant name, the name that the Lord revealed to Moses, the unique and special name for his people. So there's a shift in relationship. And then you count them up and notice there's six. The Lord is named six times in quick succession. And then comes the seventh at the very end. Do you think that's a coincidence? Remember, this is highly structured poetry. No word is a coincidence. No word is out of place. And this is highlighting the reality that there's many things you can learn about the Lord from looking at the beauty and reality of nature, looking at the book of general revelation, but you can only know him personally through his word. This is the place that we learn about who he is. And then here, there's five different words that were given for the word. You might think, well, that's a little excessive, isn't it? Why do we need so many different words to describe the word? Why don't we have one word to describe the word? Well, if you think about it, you know, what's the saying that Eskimos have like 50 different words for snow? But really, the more you know about something and often the more you love something, the more, the greater your ability to describe that thing in detail and all of its nuances. But also, if you think about it, think about how many different words we have for sandwiches, We can call them hoagies, heroes, burgers, subs. I mean, we have probably a dozen different names for sandwiches. So I think the word is more important than sandwiches. So what do we learn from these names? First one, the law, the Torah, the instruction. You know, law doesn't really get in our context at what this is. We think of maybe abstract legal regulations or stipulations, but this is the teaching The fatherly instruction. I mean, sometimes the law is referred to as the first five books of Moses. So you think, all right, how is Genesis law? How's the story of Exodus law? How's the story of the wilderness wandering law? It's teaching, it's instruction. And then the testimony it's his testimony. The Bible is not just his instruction, it's his testimony, his personal authority, his vouching for his teaching. It's where God is bearing witness about himself and his truth and his requirements. I mean, it's worth thinking about. Much of the Bible is God's testimony. It's God's perspective. And then the precepts, the precepts, those are actually application to the details of daily life or the detailed application of God's truth to your life. So his precepts. But notice the progression, the instruction, the testimony, and then precepts. This is, these are the things that you're supposed to take and then apply to your life. So part of his law is don't steal. Then part of the precepts is how you actually work that out into your life. These give you the dignity of agency. And sometimes these are contrasted with the statutes. So the precepts are application to the daily life, statutes is the word for engraved it's carved in rock. It's permanent. But the precepts are how you apply the law and the testimony and then the commandments. This is a more a general word that expresses the idea that God's revealed truth is intended for obedience. So there's nothing in the word that's intended simply to inform or entertain. It's all Covenantal, And what that means, it's all commandment-oriented. There's something you're supposed to do. There's something you're supposed to know or think. It's supposed to shape your life in a certain way. The truth is intended for obedience. And then the last word here in verse 9 is the fear of the Lord. And sometimes, um, sometimes in the Psalter here and then several times in Psalm 119, the word... For the word is the fear. And what that is getting at is that the word is meant to not only foster obedience, but it's also meant to foster a certain reverence. It's the idea of Isaiah 66. But this is the one to whom I will look. It's he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's the key. Do you tremble at his word? The fear. And then notice what all of these things about the word are. The word is perfect, means it's complete. It needs no addition, needs no and will accept no subtraction. It's complete. It's sure. It's stable. You can stand here. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. What do you think the distinction between pure and clean are? Now those sound very similar. And even think of pure. Think of like that ivory soap, 99.9% pure or something like that, something used to make you clean? Well, I think the distinction between, between pure and clean is that pure is something as it was meant to be, untarnished, unstained from sin. And clean is free from anything that will keep you from God's presence. It's not defiled. Clean and unclean is used in a Levitical category for that which will defile you or keep you separated from God's presence. So here you have these five different words that all celebrate different facets of the beauty and the glory of God's word. It's all of these things. It's instruction. It's testimony. It's precepts. It's commandments. It's fear. And then it's perfect, sure, right, pure, clean. But then the word is not only text on a page, Remember what John tells us. In Christ, the word has been made flesh. It's embodied. It's a person. And so you could go back through these verses, and you could substitute for every word for the word. You could insert Christ. So Christ is perfect, reviving the soul. Christ is sure, making wise the simple. Christ is right, rejoicing the heart. Christ is pure, enlightening the eyes. Christ is clean, enduring forever. And then what we'll look at tomorrow is the effects. It's worth. Beautiful verse in verse 10. He is more, the word is more to be desired than gold. Yes, much fine gold. And sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. But for today, let's just marvel at the multi Faceted beauty of the Word.
0: Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, here below. Praise Him. father son.